0: Welcome everyone to episode six of the Stop Decorating the Fish podcast. I'm your co-host, Randy Cox, and sitting directly across from me is my wife, Kristen Cox, who just had a birthday.
1: I did, older, not sure if I'm wiser.
0: <laughs> so Chris, before we get started, I'd like to spend 30 seconds or so telling our audience about the Fulcrum, which is our private online community, and it's the repository of your long form content. Can you give everybody just a quick sketch of what kind of content our listeners could find yeah. if they go there?
1: Um, I just working with lots of different clients or students I teach or whatever. I I just I see these struggles people come up against, and so I write about it to help them. Like usually I have a person in mind when I'm writing stuff, Um, but we've also done webinars, and you can look for anything from the basics of TOC to techniques for scoping your system to the concept of subordination and going way more into depth into that concept, which is one of the focusing steps and theory of constraints. So tons of information on almost any topic and we keep adding every two weeks. It's just as a way to serve and those people who want more content and want to dig in deeper, it's there for them to help, to help them learn.
0: Wonderful. Yes, it's it's the stuff that's too long to go on LinkedIn or something like that. So if you want to learn more about that or or request to join just go to www.jointhefulcrum.com it's free to join and we would love to have you all right so chris today's episode is about one of the seductive seven which are the seven traps that we all tend to fall into when we have a professional problem and specifically we're talking today about uh more reorganization as if the reason we're having this problem is because we just haven't organized ourselves correctly (laughs) when you
1: say it like that it's crazy but we do it all the time Ugh. so the
0: structure the structure of today's discussion is going to be in four parts so we're going to have just a little background define our terms and then number two we're going to talk about what is it what is motivating leaders to make them think that this is a good idea and then number three, what really happens on the ground during the process of the merger or of the reorg? And then number four, we'll talk about like illusion, right mindset. Yeah. So let's start with, with number one. So there's um, there's actually a chapter about this in the second book that you co-authored with Dr. Ishai Ashlag. It's called The World of Decorating the Fish. And the chapter begins with a quote from 1957, which I think is just as relevant today as it was uh, then, and he says, "Reorganizing is a wonderful method for creating the illusion of progress while actually producing confusion, inefficiency, and demoralization."
1: <laughs> it's well, it just and you know what's true about principles as they stand the test of time, and how humans think hasn't changed fundamentally. And so the way we approach problems is pretty continuous. So it's not uncommon that the challenges we have today are the challenges people have in the 50s, but yeah, we love that quote.
0: Yeah, And it's interesting because right after that, you actually quote from a um, McKinsey survey mm-hmm. where they said that more than 80% of reorganizations fail to deliver the hoped for value and 10% cause real damage. So I think I think what the what we can derive from that is that we have, leaders have been doing this for a long time, and yet it maybe has like a if we believe those McKinsey numbers like maybe a ten percent success rate. Yeah, uh,
1: and what I don't think they're capturing here is what what do you call what how do you can define damage you know, the ten percent? I think if you expanded that definition to the demoralization of team or opportunity cost because you're pursuing you know, who sits in what office versus really solving the more critical problem for the customer, um, I would say the damage is much broader.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually a good point. So, so let's start maybe by defining our terms. So when we say a reorganization or reorg, which we often will shorten it to, what are we talking about? Because I can think of at least two different examples. Yeah, it's
1: just merging organizations programs agencies companies through mergers and acquisitions we wrote about that in the book as well and it's just trying to merge companies and what i talk about it's a difference between vertical management versus horizontal management it's the org chart who reports to whom who's got what title what are the offices coordinating and making sure everyone has the same hr functions and they all use the same performance data system and it's just all the administrative functions Now, my experience is people think they're reorganizing where it matters, where the value is created, which is not in the administrative functions. Imagine uh, two traffic departments and they reorganize, they decided to merge or even internally they decided, because sometimes this happens inside organizations, they merge the maintenance team with the planning team, for example. So you can even merge within your own organization but we the drivers slash i'm blind and you probably should be very grateful i'm not driving but the drivers out there don't care about that right so what we often do in these reorgs is we integrate slash reorg at the wrong altitude so we don't really care if planning and maintenance now is integrated and they only need one HR person now because they've reduced duplication of effort and streamlined the process whatever that means what matters is what's happening on the roads and are we driving faster or slower or fewer accidents? And what are the wait times like to get onto the freeway? And what is mass All tra- of oh, those are the issues where it matters for us. And, and, and organizations, because especially as our economy is shifting from a goods organization to a services organization, it's really difficult to see where the work's happening. Right, you can see traffic, but it's very difficult to see what a sales process looks like. It's very difficult to see what a case management system looks like. It's not, you're not seeing it every day. So people integrate and reorg at the wrong altitude. They try to integrate all the administrative functions, the budget, the HR, the sales, the marketing, but where the value really happens and matters, it's a rule of flow we call synchronization. Um, That's where, if you wanna integrate, that's where it matters. And that's even another question if you even need to integrate there. We get so tied up into the org charts somehow and you said it so great that our problem is we're not organized correctly I mean just think of that when you when you break it down to that it makes zero sense that that can be the innovative strategy to solve the biggest chronic issues we out out there and it actually makes me kind of frustrated as you can hear my voice I'm skipping a bit but we there's a steep opportunity cost to these steep I've seen groups organizations um, and clients that will spend a year on the reorg a year integrating the HR function the IT functions all the pay ranges people's titles nobody's feelings hurt and even if you did a really brutal merger and acquisition and you just came in and you know laid everybody off and didn't have to think about titles you've demoralized the people and there's a lack of trust So the opportunity cost for solving the wrong problem is steep. And the biggest challenge, I think, for leaders and managers is understanding what are you not doing because of this? You just spent a year of brain damage in your organization. What are you not doing? And if you can't go to your taxpayer, if you can't go to your shareholder, if you can't go to your primary customer and say specifically how this will change, what they need and what they want. What is, are you going to be better? Are you going to be faster? Are you going to be cheaper? Tell me how this does it. And you can't tell me we now have five levels of sign off to make sure there's quality. That's not value added. So I feel pretty strongly about this topic. It's a lazy way of thinking.
0: Like I, I, I think you had, I love the example you had in your book. I think you called it Musical Chairs, where you had a legislator who went around a state doing a listening tour. And came back with this recommendation about reorganizing internally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that you had done a little research. And like one of the, if I get this right, one of the agencies that they they originally wanted it, it was embedded in an agency deep in its yeah. office. Then it was then taken
1: they, apart. And now the recommendation was merge. It again. Back, right. So yeah. they
0: wanted they wanted it to report directly to the governor. So get it out from under this agency, yeah. go directly to the governor. But then... They're like, no, we want to align goals. Yeah. And be future focused. And so we now need to put it back.
1: Yep. And this is where you see it with IT shops, centralized, decentralized, right? Bring everything together. No, keep it decentralized because it's not nimble. You know, bring sales and marketing together. No, it's too bureaucratic. Put them apart. We never saw the core problem. We see this in social determinants of care. It's a it's a big issue out there in the country right now, which is legitimate. Now, there's other social determinants, poverty, age, you know, a lot of things that impact uh, someone's health outcomes. But the solution to that in some cases, not everywhere, in some cases it's reorg. Basically, um, let's have one organization be responsible not just for the health care of the individual, but also the social, all the social services programs and the transportation. So if you really then and under that mindset want to have a quote-unquote integrated experience for the customer. You need to own every potential function in the world the patient/slash customer could potentially need. So now you're the entity of everything.
0: Yeah, you, you actually, take it to the extreme.
1: <laughs> it's not going to work, and you, you don't need it. It's brain damage.
0: You have this one-stop example in the book where you where it was like I think it was the Workforce Investment Act of ninety eight, and you talk about that, and then but you I you have I've watched you in workshops. You've played this out in a workshop to its logical extension and say, okay. let just keep reorganizing, just when keep, do we end? <laughs> right, like let's take, okay, so then that, if you want that person to have one place to go for everything they need, like, what about this? And, what, and then all of a sudden the ripples in the pond just gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger to a point where it's ridiculous. It's right? ridiculous.
1: I remember, I've talked about this in some speeches, but you know, my I call my dark years as I was going blind trying to figure out life and while that was happening, the federal government was in this massive one-stop reorg mode. And you can just, you know, just put yourself as a blind person or somebody with a disability, you're out there, what's your problem? Is the problem really, oh my gosh, the federal government isn't organized efficiently. I mean, it's nonsense. What was my problem? Well, it's very different from that. And so the farther away your initiative is, the more chain of, you know, the more dependencies there are in your solution to hopefully somehow, influence or impact the customer in a positive way. The more steps there are between what you're doing and what they need and the less tangential, tangential, the less concrete it is, the more likely you're just in the illusion of progress. And it's an illusion. You feel successful. You can stand up and say, we merged two divisions into one. And look, I understand what people are thinking and and sometimes you know you can the great Lloyd um, Wright's mentor said form follows function. You may design the flow of work, and you may see that the feedback from managers have you know needs to be in place really quickly so people know what they're doing, and that makes sense then for a manager to be on the shop floor, which requires a bit of a reorg Fine, but it form follows function, right? The organizations basically facilitate. The ability for the organization to deliver the service or the product at high quality fast as they can with the least amount of disruption and least amount of cost so if you can tell me how your regard does that great you know let's we don't have to be dogmatic about it but very few do very few so people's intuition is saying look i this isn't working for the person right they need multiple services they're not getting them and so they they integrate again at the wrong altitude they try to integrate the the administrative functions where the integration in that scenario if it's necessary a client or customer needs two or three things on the ground you actually have to it's a it's a harder change you've actually got to do what I called earlier synchronization and you've got to figure out how to manage flow and how to send signals when something's needed and not needed it's a much more challenging problem to overcome but totally doable and you could actually make a real impact for your customer and not do all the the nonsense and time wasted and money spent on the rework
0: yeah so you, i think you even um i think you called it command and control was the uh the fallacy that we have to have the resource we have to under we have to own it to. Be yeah we to have s- to
1: own it like somehow we have to own it in order to make it work and look, it's easier. Sure, it'd be easier if you had the agency of everything and you could just tell everyone what to do. But again, play it out. You have an organization and you have five divisions and now you've merged and now you have 10 divisions. What changed? You still have different silos. It's yeah. it's always about aligning and integrating all these buzzwords, but we're doing it at the wrong altitude, at the wrong place.
0: So, like, so, so just to sum up on this, basically like a legislator or somebody who flies at like 30,000 feet and they're not in the agency themselves, they may see... You know, there's a bit of a Venn diagram overlap between agency A and agency B, and they think, mm-hmm. well, they have administrative people on A, and they have administrative people on B, and so if we could combine these two, we could maybe get rid of some of the administrative could people.
1: And look, I back early in my career, I was guilty of that. Like, you know, you could merge, and we could save, you know, like $500,000 for, you know, a, a trying to I'm using this as an example because instead of using three HR people we need two and instead of having three data base administrators we need two and so you save these money on the mar, this money on the margins and I'm not saying that's not real money to save but that's if you look at an operation a very small percent is in the admin function right it's you know the those admin functions that we all just reorg there's five ten fifteen percent in the overhead depending on the org all of the money is spent in operations yeah, That's where all the capacity is. That's where we're hemorrhaging. And we just reorg. And so if you want to save money, like do that on the margins. But if you're serious about it, if you're serious about do it, it most of do is. it
0: where the money is. Do it
1: where the money is. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. We, we react to what we can see. You can see our org chart so people play around with it. Go see where the work's really happening and fix it where it matters.
0: Yeah. So, so let's talk about like what really happens because you you have had oversight over agencies and you've we've have clients who are actually caught up in some of this right now where they're being merged with another nice. agency. So, talk about like you mentioned before like this this year long or more ordeal that these folks go through, and then like what happens to productivity, what happens to morale, what happens to sure. finances while you're in the middle of something like this.
1: You know, I, I remember early in my career, there was an effort to move an agency under my department. And, it you know, it, it, it's, it's a turf building, right? Like, oh, I, they must think well of me. I'm doing a good job because they want to put another program under me. Wrong mindset, right? Wrong mindset. So it's very, creates so much uncertainty for the people. It, it creates so much uncertainty for the folks on the front line. Do I have a job? If so, what's it going to be? Who do I report to? Do I keep my title? Um, where am I going to work? Do I have an office, or am I going to be relegated to a cubicle? All of this like non-productive stuff goes on with our people, and you know it's their lives. That but we're it's messing visceral, with. though. It's cause, visceral
0: because this is like um, it feels like they're in a survival mode, uh-huh. which seems to like take over their mind say, mind share of like.
1: Well, yeah, you don't have any mind share to focus on the things that matter. And again, you know, there may be a time and place where it makes sense, form follows function, but you always start with, who's my customer? What's their problem? Hardest thing to figure out. What's the problem I'm solving? 90% of our time needs to be on that. And then it's all like in the execution, the operations, and that's tedious, hard, sometimes boring work. I love it, not everyone does. It's way funner. Just to like write up word charts, but it's so it's so not just demoralizing to the people we serve, but it's such a poor ROI. Uh, in fact, you know, you pointed out that most of those mergers and acquisitions take out the public sector don't work, right? They fail to provide the value.
0: But it's also like I think it's probably a, a, a super case study of what you and 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 Isha mean about. Illusion of progress because you could show, technically, let's say you're an agency, you're the executive director. You sit before the legislative body every year to go get, you know, to get your funding. You say, "I did a merger," mm-hmm. or we, "we we did a change of our org chart." That means I actually got something done, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean anything changed for the citizen that you're serving. But you can point to some kind of sure. an accomplishment, yep. which gives you this illusion that we're we're. Doing things, we're making progress, but it's not yeah. where it matters. And
1: You know, I do have empathy for some um, leaders and, or managers where they say, well, look, this is a program that's not aligned with my core mission or this program that's in this other agency is aligned with my core mission. And they feel like, you know, that's a conflict. The, the challenge is your core mission usually isn't black and white. So let's say you're an agency Health and human services that can mean a lot of different things, right? I mean, even people have transportation issues who have issues with unemployment and addiction issues. So are you gonna run the tra- transportation department? At some point, you've gotta like, again, go back to focus what, what matters. And let's just give you one, give the audience like one tip when I keep using synchronization. So how does traffic work like how do we get thousands and millions of individual drivers going in individual directions with individual aptitudes and skill sets for the most part to work well together on roads I mean it's unbelievable when you think about it well because the system is what's sending the signals right red light all of you thousands of people stop green light all of you thousands of people move forward very simple rules or what do we call synchronizing the system
0: and you're not letting every driver use their own prioritization yep. system. Yeah, it's all like, Oh, how- I want to
1: go now, so I'm gonna go even though this other person wants to go, which just creates chaos. And so in our operations and this is you know, this is a more mature rule of flow, is setting up these signals in the system to signal to other divisions within your own agency. I've seen agencies that are reorganizing. I'm like, you guys don't even synchronize within your own agency right now. Your two divisions <laughs> don't even work together. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, well, that's also, I've heard you talk about like, okay, let's say you did have the one agency to rule them all, and, and you, how good are you doing it with your little agency now? Like yeah, how, <laughs> are you really synchronizing
1: behavior, health, and addiction services? Like really, not in paper, and strategy, but like on the ground where the person gets the services. And it's hard. I'm not saying this isn't easy. Simple isn't easy. Uh, it's much easier, quite frankly, to come up with these complex org charts and all these listening sessions and change management models and change management everyone through the process for a year and da da da. da. That's easier, quite frankly, than doing the synchronization work. But when the system can start sending the signals to all the parties involved. You don't have to have control over all the resources. You just have to have great signals. The Department of Transportation doesn't own all the cars or the drivers. They own the rules on the road to signal to everybody how to perform, how to drive. And when organizations can adopt that mindset, their ability to synchronize, to partner, to work across your agency um, is strengthened because you're not always into the merger acquisition reorg mode.
0: Okay, so I think, I think basically if, if you enter into one of these reorgs or, or mergers or whatever, you basically are going to be putting your people through an ordeal and your productivity to the end primary customer and, your, and the opportunity cost of what you could be doing during that. I mean, your productivity is going to just come to like a, sta- a standstill and there's going to be a, an enormous amount of administrative work just figuring out.
1: And you made people say, well, yeah, but we saved like a million dollars. I'm like, yeah, but did you look at how much time you wasted trying to save that million and the opportunity cost for that? I keep having to say that because people react to what they can see, and they can see we do this, we save a million dollars. They don't see the opportunity cost.
0: You could have made fifty. You could
1: have made fifty, or yeah. you could have had you know a hundred thousand more people get a successful outcome with where you were.
0: Yeah. Why don't we uh, Why don't we move to the illusion and right mindset? Yeah.
1: So the illusion is that I need to, you mentioned it earlier, that I need to have, I need to own their resources. Like they need, I need to have complete authority over the resources so they do what I want to do when they, when they're going to do them. And again, I acknowledge, you know, sometimes that can make things easier when you can just get people in a room that all work for you and say, this is the direction we're going. Uh... But our goal isn't as management leaders to necessarily make li- our lives better. It's to make the lives of those we work for on um, and behalf of and our employees better, not ourselves. So that's the mindset, the, the, the illusion. The right mindset is how do I synchronize services with where I'm at today? With what I currently have ownership over How do I either synchronize services or maybe I have to come up with a different value proposition, may have an issue with my basic offering to my primary customer. I'm not really solving a fundamental need of theirs. So my performance isn't great. Go back to what you have stewardship over. And I talk about this a lot, but you gotta earn your way to credibility and change. And if you can't demonstrate significant results with the resources you currently have, then giving you more of those isn't the answer. How do you take what you already have and just crush it? Not just get the same performance. I hate it when states compare each other to each other. I'm like, okay, great. We're all like subpar. How do you get like a breakthrough result? Show the world how you do that. And then if you can do that, maybe it makes sense to bring other programs under you so you can do the same thing to those programs but you don't have a track record yet. Go do that first. Second thing is, and we've talked about this in the book, what are you gonna give, not what are you gonna get? Let's say you are gonna do a reorg, and it's what are we gonna get? We're gonna get this program and these resources and da da da, da 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 my authority and my expansion of my kingdom. The real question is what are you gonna give to the group that's coming? What asset or capability do you have that they don't that will help them perform better? We've seen this as we studied for the book, looking at mergers and acquisitions. The ones that did succeed were understood that they had a capability they could offer the other group that was coming on, that would help strengthen their offering and create the synergistic, a better package. Great, then think through that. But what is it that you're going to give? Not just what are you going to get out of it. So, mindset. Start with what you have. Earn your way. Earn your credibility. Get results with what you have. Stewardship over. If you've are forced to do it and you've got to do it and you don't have a choice or you're just dead set on doing it um at least figure out what you're going to give not what you're going to get and all of it's in the context can you show a measurable tangible result for those you serve it comes down to that
0: now, and you it's talked different. about accountability a couple episode of, episodes ago where people yeah. a leader could have an idea uh-huh launch something, but then never have to come back and report on how well did that work.
1: Yeah. And the baselines matter. Like I'll see reorgs and they'll talk about, you know, duplication of effort and some like you know little labor hours saved here or there and marginal improvements. But when I'm going to the bottom line, what's your capacity? How many people can you serve? How many cars can you have on the road? How fast can those move through? Do we have massive traffic jams or are people just moving through on, you know, with continuous flow? What's the quality of that? Great, you reorganize your health and human services agency, what's better? Show me, show me. Is addiction down in your state? Um, Is the cost of delivering the service down? Love to see it. If you can come with those baseline bottom results that the people you serve expect, not like thousand page reports, but clear in a few bullet points, can you tell us what you did with the resources you were given? after all of this chaos that just occurred with the people. So I, I don't think I always saw it this way maybe 20 years ago in my career and learned a little bit of the thing but probably in the last five to seven years I just have grown pretty passionate about this topic because I, I just see the damage it does to the, to the front line and the managers and the opportunity cost.
0: Wonderful. Well, I, uh, I think that's a good place for us to end this episode. <clears throat> so thank you for listening. And if you are not already, I would encourage you to follow Chris on LinkedIn. She posts uh, practical, thought-provoking content three times a week. And you can pick up both uh, her and Dr. Ashlight's books on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle versions. And if you found something of value today or in a prior episode, then please like this and then share the show with a co-worker. And we will talk to you again in two weeks on our next episode. So stop decorating the fish.
1: Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Go make a difference.